everybody. This is Jeff from Startup Sack with another Sacramento Startups Podcast Founder AMA episode. Our June Startup Sack Happy Hour featured another successful veteran entrepreneur, Jeremy Perkins, founder and CEO of Precision Medical Products, who came out to share his experiences and expertise with the audience. In this podcast episode, Jeremy shares his entrepreneurial journey and fields questions from the audience about running a successful, high-growth startup. Check it out. So one of the things people always ask me is, like, how did you... Uh, do get into medical, medical device, medical manufacturing. It's kind of, it is like a unique um, segment to get in. So give me a quick background. After, when I, I went to college down in uh, San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly, San Luis, uh, Cal Poly Slow. And down there, it took me six years to graduate because I kind of did this like long uh, college experience where, yeah, anybody that did that. Um, but I, I backpacked Australia, New Zealand, and then every summer I, I didn't have much money going to college. So I, ha- I worked every summer and uh, actually sold books door to door and uh, built boats. Uh, books. Well, like, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering how you got the boats, you know, to every stop. That probably would have been more lucrative. I sold these like uh, uh, books for kids to help them, like SATs, ATTs, math, English. So, like, so I was like passionate about school, but I just did it to pay for college. So made some made some money through school, and then uh, my, my my goal was called to be a stockbroker. So if you were to ask me about a six year period, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, and I I was an industrial technology major, but I, I took a lot of finance classes. I'm like I'm going to be a stockbroker because at the time I watched all these you know Wall Street and all these movies like sell, buy, no, we don't want that, like, and then uh, I started, and anybody younger in the group, I always tell, I spoke at Cal Poly's last year, they brought me back to speak, I tell everybody, um, who's going to go to an internship, and in, in the field you want to go into, because I, if I would have done that, I would have realized right away, something I never wanted to do, I was cold calling, uh, pretty much cold calling people asking for, if you want to buy a bond, all day, and I, I just hated it, so for a year and a half, I come over every day, and, and be miserable or ever jump. It's not what I want to do. And I had a couple, two of my closest friends were in medical sales. They love what they did. They're like, we help patients. We make a difference in people's lives. We make really good money. And I'm like, you know what? I want to give that a try. So for a year, I applied to 300 companies. It's in my resume. And I had a really good uh, college resume. I had a really good sales background. I couldn't get in because in medical, unless you're in the industry, nobody will let you into it. So I kind of did this like crazy path where I went to uh, medical conventions and I went and called a medical doctor without even being in the industry and got to know them. So when I interviewed, it, it made it seem like I had some experience. And uh, I finally landed a job after about a, a year of just 300 companies, multiple interviews, nobody hired me. I finally got in. And uh, so I was in there for two years. I went back of my head, I'm like, I want to start a business. I want to start a business, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was. It's kind of maybe a takeaway for some people in here. I don't. I see people that are so hungry to start a company. When I spoke at Cal Poly's last year, these kids had all these crazy ideas. I'm like, before you just run and go do something crazy, I think it's good to like get in an industry to learn it, learn learn about that, find your niche. So I was already in medical, and the quick story about how I started a company. Um, my wife, Mary, Mary is here today. And for about six months, I'm like, I want to start my own company, I want to start my own company. And the crazy thing, there's a, you guys ever read the book, um, Good to Great? And you, you remember that book, I think chapter one, one or two, the chapter's called Good is Enemy of Great. The whole chapter on like, and that's where I was at in my life. I was making 320 grand a year as a sales rep, and we just had our first son, Jackson. 
and I, it was like pretty good. I had this like full book of business that I didn't have to work super hard. I worked hard, but I was making pretty good money. And she's like, why do you want to go start a business? Like you have, you have a really good thing. So for me, it's kind of like my why. I didn't want to look back, um, like revert, reverse into your life. Let's say like the average age expectancy for a male, I think is like 82 years old. And I didn't want to be like 82 years old, look back at my life and be like, I never gave this a shot. Like I, I wanted to just see what I was capable of, what I could build and all that. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And it was a little bit of a battle in the beginning. I'm like, I'm gonna take this risk and, uh, and go start my own company. Because at the time, I'd already met like, distributors, and there were some opportunities that I had in medical. So I went to that risk. In 2010, I started the company. We got number one fastest growing company in Sacramento in 2013. For the first three years, no company in Sacramento grew faster than we did. In 2013, we basically in that time went from like zero revenue, and we did like, actually the first year we did 400 grand, 1.5 million, 3.5 million, then 8 million, all in a three-year run rate. And then we went from three, oh, sorry, we went from eight million to fifteen million. And that fourth year, the Sac Business Journal came back. It was like this is this only happened one other time in fifty-year period in Sacramento. We're going to give you guys an award again for the number one fast growing company in Sacramento because if you think about that um, that particular award, you're you're a lot better off. You have a new company here. You're you're in a lot better advantage. Like for me, our company will do forty-five million this year. For me to win that award again, I'd have to do something crazy. I'd have to grow to like 250 or 300 million, which would be a lot harder than somebody growing from 4 million to 12 million. Does that make sense? It's all percentage based. So we grew very, very quick. There's some good to that, and there's some bad. Like we didn't, don't, don't be deceived. We made all this money because they were like, when you grow that fast, there was a lot of waste. There was years we lost money. There was years we made money. It was kind of just crazy, uh, turbulent time. In 2014, I basically said time out. Uh, I funded a company 100% myself. I didn't. I didn't get any angel investing. No, no private equity. No venture capital. No friend and family round. I, I did it all myself. It was all our life savings. I put everything back in the company. We weren't really making too much. So I said, I don't want to keep doing this and like grow. This is vanity. It's like, oh, we're a 30 million dollar company that makes no money. Like, right? Oh my God, that's not what I want. Hold on. Yeah, so we, exactly. So we re, we revamped everything and uh pretty much 14 to 16, redid all the systems, gutted it. You guys read the book E-Myth? I don't know if you read E-Myth. E-Myth's all about systemizing your company. It's like, we went through and systemized. We, moved, we went from like 2 or 3% profit to 20% profit on the same book of business just by re, revamping the whole company. And then, so we paused for two years, then the last three years we've gone from 15 million, we went last year we did 27 million, this year we'll do either 45 to 50 million depending on how the end of the year um, hits. And it's that's kind of the, the quick journey. We just got a new line of credit because that's the only that's the only funding we've ever had is through a bank line of credit. And uh, so they just gave us a valuation of $120 million to company, which is pretty cool because they, yeah. We always make the joke. It's like you're rich on paper, but like when you're when you're an entrepreneur, I don't know how your experience. Everybody has different stories, but for me, it's been um, make a hundred bucks, put ninety nine dollars and ninety cents back in the company. Does that make sense? And it's like we put everything. I mean, take a tiny bit out to live on, but it's like put all of it back into the company, back in the company, and it's. Uh, 
that's kind of been, if you will, like a five minute version of a 10 year story. There's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of trials, tribulations, and uh, so the quick version of that, of that um, side of the company. I got probably two years ago in angel investing. I invested in nine companies in Sacramento. We took probably the best one. Good and bad of that too. Been a few uh, few failures where we lost money on on startups. Uh, I, I was in part of a company called Freeform Technologies. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. They got they're an electric jet ski company, and they got acquired by um, Nikola. So we started them off initial funding. We put 350 grand in the company, and uh, I was already I came in. This kid Jordan, brilliant. He was already four years in the company. I came in because he he approached Mark Haney some EO guys and, and uh, Sack Angel Investment Group. So I sat down with, I actually just really liked him, so I invested in more him than anything. And uh, we sold the company for uh, $13.3 million. So that was like a, a pretty cool, like, that's the one win on the nine, the nine companies. <laughs> like eight other stories. A couple we'll see in time how they play it out. But I had a lot of fun with that. I've got some experience with the uh, angel investing startup kind of stuff. I do it more because I got I, I really like startups, so uh, a labor of love. So I got that. And then the last thing, kind of what I want to speak to you guys today is I'm in the middle of writing this book. And it's, uh, it's called Success Algorithm. It's like the story of like my company and just like what. Because here's the thing that's frustrated me. It moves on like social media, like Instagram, or we like on social media very much. Hit, hit or miss. I get so um, I follow a lot of like success speakers and people that are like these like success influencers. I follow them now for a couple of years, and I've come to realize like ninety percent of what they say is complete bullshit, and it's like totally inaccurate. But it does if you if you say something with enough confidence and uh, and you articulate it the right way, people are like that's the goal. And you get this like um, guy or girl that shows up in a Lamborghini and says, like, "Do you want this house?" And that has not like been my experience, and, and, and I'm part of like EO in Sacramento is probably the 50 arguably most successful entrepreneurs in Sacramento. The um, one of the groups of eight, or sorry, one of the groups of 13 people, they got over a billion dollars in exits. In that group of 13 people, they're like established. That group's been around for 10 years, and it's one of the forms in EO. It's been a lot of like 100 million dollar exits in that entrepreneurial organization in Sacramento. And I'll tell you this. I can't try to go off the top of my head. Of the 50 people I know, not one of them drives a Lamborghini. You know, and it's just like, it's so backwards what you see on social media. So, partly why I wanted to write, write this book was just like, here's the truth of business, here's like what it's really like. And also, like for my kids, uh, Jackson's 10, when he's like, let's say 25, and he's ready to like start going to business world, my goal is to be fully retired by then and not like in the trenches. So I want to write, all right, right now I'm in the trenches. I'm like, I'm in it, I grind every day. So I want to write a book now from the trenches as opposed to like, when he, does that make sense? Later, so he has something he can he can read and reflect on and, uh, and hopefully learn from and, and the girls too. We have four kids, so it's probably for them and probably for entrepreneur friends. So that's a quick high level precision medical, done some angel investing and then writing this book. So that opens up, um, I don't know how you guys do it, the format? So, yeah, so so, you know, I, I talked to you before. I think one of the, the secrets to your success is you actually had like cars not selling. Yeah. Door, door to door, selling books. And 
cold calling on their stocks. And I think that selling is like a, it's one of the things that startups usually don't have that, that ability. They don't have someone that actually can sell well. What do you recommend to those people that uh, you know, don't have a sales business or need to learn sales yeah, so I'll back up. Um, it's a phenomenal question. Like, so I think every every entrepreneur who shrinks, right? I, I sit there and think today, like, man, like what what would I what you know, probably think everyone thinks like a lifeline. I just finished a program at MIT where um, it's a three-year program, so I flew up to MIT and uh, it's an entrepreneurial program, and I'm in the room with these people that are for lack of a better word, they're fucking badass. Like you go around and people are like, I formed this billion dollar company. The guy that spoke to us, I was there, whatever it was, three, four weeks ago, he started Priceline. He's like, you guys heard of Priceline? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you pull him up on the internet and it's like, legit. Like, it, and it, when he's speaking, he's not good at sales at all. He's like, I'm a horrible salesman. It's like, I believe in creating a product that's so good you don't have to sell it. People just flock to you. And I'm sitting there like, man, I wish I had more like a coding and, and computer background because I would have I would have like started a company. It's way more scalable to start a company that's like software based as opposed to medical equipment. I have to buy a um, hundred thousand dollars of medical equipment, make the sale, all that. There's a lot of capital involved. You can scale a software company way faster, right? So um, when I write this book, the first the first part of this uh, book is like. If you'll say you're raising a kid, right? A business like a kid, you don't treat like a, um, like our youngest is three years old, she's kind of crazy, and you parent her different than the 10-year-old, does that make sense? But you parent the, the teenager different. I think it's really deceiving. If you read any book, um, if you have a startup and your company's like a year, two years old, it is a totally different animal than a business that's 10 years or 20 years old that's jamming. We have 200 employees in our company. There's stuff where like I can't get caught up in day-to-day stuff. If I ever do, the company doesn't grow. But when I was in the very beginning, the first two years, I was in everything. I was in all the details. I was building out the system. I was very involved, but I didn't want, uh, does that make sense? It's, it's different the way that uh, your, your involvement level, the way you run it. And also like if you're running, when I first started my company, it was purely sales. Like you, you know my story pretty well. Um, so we just sold other people's products. That was a quick way to make money. It's like, you get a product for 10 bucks, you sell it for 20. Does that make sense? And it's like, you keep doing that, you bring sales reps to grow. It, it wasn't, the margins weren't great, but then over time we learned, here's what makes money, here's what doesn't. Now let's go get our insurance contracts. Let's go get contracts with, in our world we get prescriptions and then like Blue Cross, Aetna, United Healthcare will pay us. Like let's get higher producing contracts with insurance companies over like stage two. Stage three, we're like, let's make our own equipment. So now we make, we've made 32 medical products um, in the last four years, let's say. We, at first, we were just all sales, and then we were building contracts, and then we were um, medical manufacturing. And now we do all of it, but at first, it was just purely selling. So I don't, I don't so, know. That, so how do you? Yeah. You know, a lot of the startups usually it's a tech guy. You know, maybe a couple tech guys. They don't know sales, so other than the only other other than finding them finding someone that can sell, which you know, might take a while. How does one learn sales skills? Or what would you recommend if they don't have any sales experience? What's the best way to do it? I've probably hired and fired more salespeople than everybody in this room times 10. I mean, because like, the way I say that is I've been in sales for 20 years. I used to do corporate recruiting for, for the company in college. Like, 
the policy to sell. I, I've like, there's one thing I understand it's like the sales of hiring and firing. And I've come to realize this is like maybe good or bad. There's just some people that are not cut out for sales. You could spend eight years with somebody and they're just not going to be a good salesperson. And then there's some people that like, um, Orion's here, like he, he, uh, I mean, within like one month was like breaking records. And top, like we have 300, com- or 350 sales that have been at our company. Um, over a 10-year period, and he's already in the top, like, 12 in history of the reps all within like, a year and a half. Like, he, he took off and killed it. So, like, but he was but he was natural. I don't think, I mean, I think we taught him some stuff on medical, but he already had really good sales background, really good personality. So to answer the question, if you're, you probably know in your head, it's like, like, I enjoy selling. It's a sport to me. I'm weird. Like, I, I actually liked door-to-door for a while because I was like, I want to sit down with you and your family, and my goal is like, you're skeptical, get out of my front porch, and I'm like, I want to talk to this person who just talked to me for 10 minutes about education. And it's like, that's a little battle you win, you know? Okay, okay, well, give me 10 minutes, okay. You, why is school important to you? And then it's like, and the SAT's important to your kid, yeah. What if you had a study guide to help the SATs improve their scores? Yeah, and also like, you had this person's like, I'll never buy, I'll never buy, it's like, wait, tell me more about that. Okay, and then all of a sudden they're like writing you a check right there. That was really intriguing to me, like the psychology to bring somebody from like a no to a yes. I, I like that, but I'm wired like that. Like that was like a competitive, fun thing for me. So that wasn't, uh, I didn't have to like force myself into that. Does that make sense? I, so what I encourage you is if you're not in sales, just spend the money. Like if you're getting like, however it works, uh, some people in here have angel, angel investors or if you... I, I think it is the, the, the key thing is find a good um, marketing person or salesperson. That's the other thing, too. Sometimes, depending on what you're doing, we didn't have, this will blow you away. It might even offend some people. We didn't even have a website. We literally did not have a corporate website for four years. I got number one fastest growing company in Sacramento with no website. Like, How did you do that? It's like, because I'm marketing to orthopedic surgeons at hospitals that don't even go on the internet and they don't like... People are always like, what's your social media platform? What do you do for marketing? What influencers are you using? Like, none, none, none. Because I know that in this area, there's 200 orthopedic surgeons. I know where all of them are at. We'll go to their office, we'll do a lunch or a coffee, we'll hand them our shirts, we'll meet them face to face. That's that's our business strategy, right? Whereas other people, my buddy Greg, I think, did Greg speak here? Trifecta? Do Trifecta School, you know there? I just was with him last week. They're going to do $75 million this year in food delivery. It's amazing. It's like, and it's all about Yeah, he is the exact opposite of me. We are like, the, I've got all these sales reps. Like, I don't have one sales rep. I've got a ton of influencers. He spends an insane amount on uh, on social media and, and uh, paid advertising and all that. It's two different strategies, but both of them work. Uh, so, but he, he would be in the, the mindset you don't need any salespeople, you just need really good marketing programs and, and marketing. So, I, I don't know, that's why I think it's dangerous in, uh, uh, in the speaking world or book world is when people say, here's the best, here's what works, do this. Because every business is different and every, every strategy is different. I know for us, uh, we did spend a fair amount. I probably dropped about 100 grand on marketing and got almost zero out of it. I can measure that because it was like, all traffic through our web. We, we got nothing. It, like, it did not play out good for us because our products are so tangible. A doctor needs to see it, feel it, make sure it works good. It's going on a patient. It affects their surgical outcomes. They're not going to do that through like, seeing an ad of somewhere. You know? So, 
I don't know if that was long-winded or later.
I, I ran it super lean, and it wasn't, I was reminded that I only need to hire three, four, five people the first year. I don't need to hire 30 people. I need to get 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 salaries. I'm just gonna bring in people that are super motivated. And those people, five people, are, they wanted to join. Does that make sense? Like, they're like, I wanna be part of this, it's exciting. And then it wasn't about the money, it was more about like the vision and what they wanna be part of. And I think that's important. They keep, I'm huge about being lean. Let me tell you one, one side story, just a good learning experience on what not to do. That methodology of the lean startup, running super lean and uh, sell and then build it later, does that make sense? at the, uh, the Lean Startup methodology. I did a different methodology six years in, or I'm sorry, seven years in, where we got faster and coming to Sacramento. I got kind of cocky to be honest. Like, we could do anything. Like, we've sold everything, right? We're like, we literally, we, it's a little, we get a little overconfident meetings. We're like, we could sell any medical product. Like, we're so good, right? And then, so like, let's give them disposable products, right? And it's not our support, the Phoenix and all that, like, all of our surgery centers we currently work with wanted to do disposable. So we went, we flew to China, we met the manufacturer, we made all these products. I spent, <laughs> I spent $2.8 million making products and, the, and then brought in expensive people that were good at marketing. I, all this money went into it. When it was set, all of a sudden, that, I lost $3.5 million of a company that did not work at all. It was like, I learned the hard way because although I had people that were like, they signed these POs, oh yeah, I want to do it. When we went to integrate into the hospital system, the surgery system, we didn't have the back-end infrastructure, and they had huge discounts. Like, so McKesson, Medline, Cardinal all came in, and they're like, hey, we appreciate this little guy trying to compete with us. Uh, we'll just give you a rebate of 100 grand if you can sit to keep your business with us. I'm like, I can't do that. And they're buying 3,000 products from them. They're buying 30 from me. I got wiped out right away. And I wish I would have done it the way that I originally built my first company. It was the lean. So I would have figured that out right away. I would have been like, oh, you know, as opposed to trying to build everything, make it this amazing company, and then have sales later. I think it's a horrible strategy. I, I'll never do that again. I learned the hard way. I, I lost a good $3 million doing it the wrong way. And uh, so we try and run it really lean. So I don't know if that.
I tried, um, so when you're talking about like in, in medical, there's a lot of like independent distributors in 1099 and what they'll do, like even our company did it for a long time. We, we, we're, we got really good orthopedic surgeons and then other companies would fly out and meet with us, like be distributed in California or Utah, whatever states you're in, take our product, we'll sell it to an X, you guys can sell it at this, you make the margin, that makes sense. It's kind of like how we started. We started as distributors at first. And now, now we manufacture, we try and get distributors to come up with us. There's two schools of thought. You can either get, uh, it's, it's relates to all businesses, to be honest. We, uh, and that's the reason, to be honest, we sold the jet ski company, because people ask me all the time, like, why'd you sell for 13 million? Because we had a, a patent on thermoforming, and if anybody has to go in the water, so if Tesla ever wants to go in the water, they, they have to use this patent. It's a, it's a, it's the case ceiling around um, a lithium ion battery that we keep it like from water getting into the battery blowing up like this, this patent was amazing and they're like why'd you sell for 13 million I'm like this Jordan was uh, this like brilliant like scientist type of guy but he couldn't sell anything to save his life we literally when this company said that we did not sell one jet ski not one and I, I didn't know anything about jet skis so I was trying to make some sales for him and I'm like I don't know anything like I have to learn this and all that so it, it is it, it is like a, a different thing, but in medical, uh, what you want to do is there's two schools of thought. You can get the existing distributors to have all the relationships, right? And this is what like we we have for four or five years we've debated this in our executive room. And I don't like the strategy, so I'll tell you my VPs all love it because it's easy. You go get these existing distributors, you sign a contract, and hopefully they sell or don't, right? I like the Orion story, which is like that doesn't have medical experience will do that's how I was I'm like I will do anything to get into medical and my first six months I got my teeth kicked in by everybody in, the, in my in my company at one year mark I was in the top 10% and at a two year mark there's only three three people out of 350 that could beat me in sales so I, 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 did, I had two years to learn I need to learn the medical products learn what worked but didn't kind of get through that but once I did I wanted to be there and I was, I was passionate about it if you guys are selling, like let's say your software and your ego because it's like distributed, also sell software to people, you're gonna be like product number maybe 50 out of like, right, they have like 55 products and you're just one of them. I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, at MIT, they had a whole thing on this. They said there's, I'll let you guys guess, make it more interactive. It, insane studies on on sales and marketing and what it takes to be successful to sell. Let's say you put like 100 characteris characteristics on like, what it takes to be a, a top performing salesperson in the company. They've got the science down to the top three. You, you want to guess what they are? They did this with us in the room and we, we a lot of us were off, so. What is it? Self-confidence. Self-confidence. Um, Self-confidence was on there, but it wasn't like, it wasn't one of the top three. And they do, this is like if you're interviewing, this would be the three things you want to interview for. What's that? It's probably partly true. I, I mean, it's probably in that top hundred. High energy, yeah. High empathy. Tenacity was on there. Empathy. I'll tell you what it is. Some of you, you kind of like touched on it. It's uh, so. The number one core value in our company, and we have our six core values in our company, and the number one that we pick is intensity. 
And it's like, whatever you want to call it, passion, intensity, will to win, desire, it's all like the same thing. say passion, because that's what Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, so say you guys all kind of, you guys all kind of touch on it in a different way. But here's the thing, so if I sit down with somebody, and they're like, I've been in medical for 20 years, I've got a book of like 200 contacts, that, that's one of the top actual things, but it's not number one uh, on their studies. It, like number two was industry knowledge, because it is very important, like, to have, it, like, if you're selling software and you know all about that software stuff, it's pretty powerful to have industry knowledge. So you got those top listings. But the number one thing was with passion, and that's um, what I found in, in my personal experience. You take the top reps of our company, not a lot of them had medical experience, but they had insane passion. So when I interview now, or when our VPs are flying around interviewing, I'm like, look for passion. I want, I want the person that like, if they show up late for the interview, out. Like, they didn't want. Like, when I did my interviews, I drove to San Francisco. I was there two hours early. I was like, make sure everything's right. I, I had the room spotted out. I was like, I, I gotta get this job. Like, I had my brag book. I had everything, and it was. But you could tell. I wanted it. I'm like, I'll do anything to get this job. And that's what we that it's really weird, like you can't see that on a resume, you need to like see that in in, in face. But I think that's like the number one thing that the reason we grew fast is anytime in Sacramento, there's a hundred other people that did what we do the first five years. We were one we were like a me too company, we just sold met a lot of people do what we did. Now now with building contracts and manufacturing we're 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 a little we're really different, but the first five years we were a, a me too company, to be honest, but we had passion, intensity, like we would go after doctor, it was like, does that make sense? So I, I would go find, I would go find that like 24 year old kid, guy or girl that's like, I'll do anything to get into medical. Like, do you know, if you're, once you're in medical, you're almost guaranteed, you go to medrex.com, you're guaranteed. I tell people this all the time in interviews, like, let's say our company sucks, you hate it after two years, you will make 200 grand the day you leave us, I've had more reps picked off by Boston Scientific, Medtronic. Like, I get reps picked off all the time for these massive salaries of medical companies because they already have experience with us. So that that would be my pitch. Is who cares if people go back all the time all school for to get MBAs that are garbage? You like no offense if you have an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I'm just walk the walk and really talk the walk and know that's the work. No education can teach you that. Yeah, I, I interview people all the time. Like, I've got an MBA from this school. I'm like, how does that help? Like, I, I don't, I'm not a big believer in it. Like, if you've got an MBA from Stanford, you're in the finance world, then fine. Like, that's, that's a separate animal in itself because more probably because you've got the Stanford connection than anything. But outside of that, I think the MBA is complete garbage. I would actually argue, and I'm somebody that, I, I, I went to Cal Poly, I, I spent a lot of time and money in that. I, my door-to-door experience was ten times more valuable than my college. I don't. My industrial technologies classes have not helped me one dime or one. Does make sense in my business? But that experience did. And so, if I, I would, I would make that sell. Like, let's say you make twelve grand your first year, a thousand bucks a month. I think it's worth it because you're in medical, you're meeting doctors. If it doesn't work out, you're gonna make two hundred grand year two going to another company. But the goal is that you do well with us. And then you do well and you make two hundred grand with our company and then you, you help build uh, territory, you know? So that's yeah. So the first one is business, you're reselling most of the products. And now you're making the product that you're selling. And how does that fit in? 
the first 28 products we made was I lost three and a half million dollars on. So when I was trying to get out my uh, strength, I'd say. What we did learn is that I like the idea. Do you know how much money is made? I, I'm a huge fan of this of white labeling. Like, not to give away any trade secrets, but like, I think it's probably fair little knowledge. Like Greg, who we talked about, is 75 million or 74 million right now trajectory trifecta. He doesn't even make his own food. He's got a food um, packaging plant in LA that makes pre-made meals and throws his sticker on there. He's really good at marketing. He's got the contracts with the food manufacturer. He doesn't get involved in that world. And I'm a huge fan of like build a company and then once you're established for four or five, six years, possible all that, then uh, do vertical integration and, 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 and maybe pull more profit by owning the whole supply chain, you know? But look at Amazon. Amazon makes, you go through the whole list, Amazon, VRBO, Airbnb, uh, Uber, all these billion dollar companies that have no tangible assets. They use other people's systems. So the parts I made, my, the way I love to do it is let's go find a current medical manufacturer already makes a product and we just white label it, we throw our name onto it. And we don't do that all our products, but I like it. It's, it's a lot quicker, there's less liability, it can scale it faster. So So we have um, we have a unit that does this DVT prophylaxis, so it prevents blood clots. So like, if you ever follow, if you think blood clot in the next year, you'll see this. Like uh, Hillary Clinton got a blood clot, almost died. Um, a couple NBA players have gotten blood clots. It's the number two leading cause of death in the hospital. So infections is number one way you can die in the hospital. Number two is getting a blood clot. It goes into your lung. You get a pulmonary embolism. You die. So this prevents blood clots. All it does, is really. It's, it sounds medical, DVT, all it, all it does is it's like, it's a compress, it, it, it just compresses your, yeah, no, it's a, it's a machine though, but it, 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 it squeezes your calf, and by squeezing your calf, it creates blood flow, and the blood flow prevents blood flow. It's pretty actually simple, it's not like, if I had a surgeon up here explaining to you, like, this is crazy, complex, yeah, so it's not... It's a, it's a pretty easy product, but what we did that was different is we built Bluetooth technology into the unit, and now doctors can get patient feedback on the unit and see how much, how much you can use. And that's kind of what we want to do in the future in medical is have more um, data-driven, be able to get surgeons' data real-time so they can see their patients and how they're rehabbing. And we want to get into that world. Um, less product and more more software data size, so kind of our, our five-year vision. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned the importance of creating the vision for a journey by. Dr. Patrick, you're going to ask the question. What? How did you do that initially? When you knew that you couldn't pay your people well, how did you create a long-term vision that people were gravitating? 
Yeah, so he, what he asked is, uh, like, how in the very beginning, like, year one or month one, is, like, how do you create a vision that people are, like, compelled by and want to want to join your organization and be part of that cause, right? Yeah. So, I would say this. Our vision year one was different than year five, which is, which is different now. The vision changed over time, right? But in the very beginning, uh, the first year was, like, I mean, maybe it's like your the, the sales side, but it's like we're gonna go. We're, I'm gonna get you into medical. You know, it's a, I have a lot of friends who are dying into medical. Like, it's put your two years in, you'll be in the industry, you'll have experience, you'll have great income. But our goal is to create a hundred million dollar company, and if you're at the ground floor, which is what happened, the guy that was uh, um, this is a funny story. My wife's best friend is like this pro bodybuilder. Like laying out of my pool during the day while we're all working. I'm like, I don't like the idea of like bodybuilder laying out of my pool all day. So I'm gonna hire him and make sure that like we get him out of the pool. It's like not. It wasn't like it wasn't inspiring to get work. You're, I'm building a pool coming in my house, right? I'm like, let's hire him and get him involved in the company. And he was he was the one that was not commissioned. He was the anomaly. And I was like, if you do this right. You could be making a hundred grand a year on year two, and and even more in the future. And he's like, let's do it. Like, and it, we need like a fun culture. You can do a lot. There's only studies too. You know, people um, get more psychological reward out of just gratefulness than they do like a monetary paycheck. There's like, there's a certain point. Like, people need money at the point. So money does motivate you at the point. Right? I can't pay my bills. I need money. I need money. And when you get the money, after that kind of diminishes. Does that make sense? But yeah, exactly. But after that point, people get more um, psychological benefits out of like gratitude, thankfulness, and hey, we don't have a lot of money, but we're gonna go twelve minutes have a dinner night, celebrate. Like that was an amazing sale you got made today. People get it. Like those first five, six employees, we were we were all the house together. We on my garage with the. Now we have a 77,000 square foot distribution center that, that ships to 32 states. In the very beginning, I had a small garage and couldn't park the car in because there was medical equipment everywhere. And that was a distribution center, you know? And it's funny in the very beginning because uh, Jackson was like one, uh, one, one and a half. And Marion would walk in and be like, he's taking a nap. He has to be quiet. And we're like, make the sales calls a little bit. Like, don't be as like, as loud. You're going to wake the kid up. Like, it was, that's like, that was the company the first two years, you know? So, uh, that, that was kind of the vision of the It's not just like, we weren't like uh, Tesla, where we're gonna change the world, we're gonna put people on, like, on bars, and we're like, I just wanna provide really good opportunities and friends that could be part of something really big and really great, and it, and it did become great, and we, we all bought into that, and, and, and now people join all the time for that, so, yeah. I just piggyback yeah. other people's company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, now we have internal. I don't like, I'm not a big fan of, uh, there's some things I'm a huge fan of outsourcing, like billing, and like, there's some things like I, I like outsourcing. FDA, I mean, if you, if you part of FDA, you make one small error and you're kicked, the submission's kicked out, you have to reapply. So we went and, we went and interviewed and got a girl that had been part of like, uh, 20 or 30 different FDA 
product. She was very well versed in it. She knew like background. And we let her read all the FDA approvals out. We do it internally. So, but that's also that was year that was year six seven for our company. If it was year one, I I may have outsourced that because I, I didn't have the I wouldn't have the funds. Big, and then I think 
uh, figure that out later. I'm not a, the, when I lost three and a half million on that one company, we spent a lot of money on software systems and integration and EDI and API and backend plug, all, all this money went out and it, we ended up bankrupting, or not bankrupting, we ended up just closing the company down and uh, we just lost a ton of money we never even needed. You can get a company pretty big off like basic platforms. I, I've never used, you'll have to kind of like, what's your CRM, the Salesforce, is it, we did Excel spreadsheet where we do every, you, you have, we have 200 dogs in the area, we plug all their names in Excel, we get auto sort by territory, that's all we need. Like, I don't need anything fancy, and we did it super, like, I think that's maybe what takeaway for people is like, you can build a pretty big company. If I would have stopped there, you would have had a $15 million company at 20% EBITDA, quick math, they would have made three million a year profit, net profit, I probably could have been like, uh, automated myself out um, pretty easily, and then walked away and just let that thing go on autopilot for a while, and, and, and maybe it went on kind of like, maybe up or down, I don't know, who, who knows, but uh, it could have all been done, like I wouldn't have not needed, I, I've seen people waste a lot of money on expensive things, they're like, this is gonna, Blah blah blah. It's like I think it's, I don't know. I I, 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 I warn against that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's again. When people hear me speak, I think one of the big takeaways is like I can do better than him. Like it's not. No, no. I'm not. No, but I'm, I'm honestly saying like there's a lot. We we interview people all the time. They come in. They're like. There's a lot better systems for CRM that can like with updates and you know and things they like. I'm like, I'm just a simple person. I'm like, I just need to know my 15 targets for the day I'm gonna hit, and I don't want anything else. I don't wanna like go back at night and input stuff in and spend an hour on it. I just wanna sell, spend my time selling, and then work on the company and then anything outside of that would be my family and not like I don't wanna sit there and tinker with data input at the end of the night. So so your company is at the current stage with that, which is amazing. Congratulations. But what currently keeps you up to date? Uh, uh, prevents you from going to sleep at night. Because yeah. uh, I bet the problem that you faced when you started is a lot different from the problems you face today. That's a great question. What, what currently, um, what you want to call it like our bottleneck or our, our rate limiting factor right now, today, uh, I still own 100% of the company. We got a five, if you do like $5 million line of credit, it might sound like a big line, like line of credit. If you're doing $45 million a year, it's really not. It's like, if you know, they call it a turn, it's like it's one and a half turns, like a month, not even a month and a half of like revenue for us. You really need a three or four turn, like on a line of credit, and we don't have that. So I think we're at a point now where we're just trying to get um, outside private equity, venture capital, or some kind of investment. Because we want to, we have a a pretty easy way to go to two to three hundred million on our current products, current states we're in. We we can just grow, but we need capital behind that to do it because it's really expensive. If you're doing quick math, if you're doing three hundred million a year in sales, you're spending a hundred million a year. So it's like, it's, and in medical, I don't know how, I don't know how it looks for you, but we don't get paid for seven months. So like, I make a product, I get it, I ship it out, 
we build the insurance, and the, the insurance waits three months, they pay us. It's like that whole cycle takes like seven months to get paid. So we're kind of at like this weird uh, financing. It's, the weird thing is I've always kind of struggled with that, but I've been able to, be able to outsell my way through it, like make some sales, get money, rebuy and all that. But I think we're at a point now where it's like, in order to get to that next level, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be capital. So I think you just wanna take on some convertible debt. What do you mean by convertible debt? Like a series A? Yeah. I, different school of thought. <laughs> I have two hats in there. I do angel investing, so I have like this one hat where I'm like, angel investing's great, you know, it's awesome. And then I get this other hat where I was like over here, I'm like, I don't, I don't like, um, I probably, I'm gonna do that now, but for 10 years, I don't like to see other people's hands in my business, and I wanna run it one way, I wanna run real fast, and I didn't want people like nitpicking at my company, and like board of directors, and you don't do this, and you're sort of Steve Jobs getting voted out of his company, it's like, I don't know, that all that stuff like sounded really stressful to me, so I always avoided it. Um, if you can do, I'd say for financing, if you can, debt financing is the best, right? You can get, our line of credit, I think, I might be off a little bit, but it's like five and a half percent interest. It's, and then you pay it, they don't own your company, they don't own any equity. I almost did equity in the very beginning, like, um, on year two, that's a big rep I want to bring in, and I almost gave them equity to do it. And I'm so glad I didn't, because a couple of those reps went rogue and started companies that competed with me. And they would have, in the state of California, they would have been able to have that equity in my company and be a competitor today. And I would so, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like the, um, the equity thing, but if you are gonna have somebody come in, if you have somebody that can put money in and add value to your company, I think that is, that is tremendous value. I was gonna say, I was gonna recommend So one thing we're looking at, we have in medical, one, medical is like one-sixth of the whole U.S. economy. We'd like to get a capital partner like Medtronic or Covidian or somebody to come in and be like, we have 5,600 uh, reoccurring prescribing surgeons. They come in and say, we want access to your guys' surgeons. We'll give you money, right? We'll invest with the money in your company and we'll also give you guys opportunities to new products. It's like a, a synergy, you know, where we win, they win. We can leverage our existing books of business together. We can get new new customers from them. That would be like a, like a one plus one equal five kind of thing. So that's what we're trying to do. That'd be the goal. So. <laughs> just right, two last ones. Just you know, uh, kind of a point up on that question. So if you can see that you can maybe sustain a 30 to 50 million dollar company and a family type business. Um, why why would you make any difference? Why not <laughs> where it is? Keep it running for the 50 million. I don't know. I I I'm wired weird. Like money doesn't motivate me. I don't feel like like money does at one point. And there me, I'm like, I want to buy a house where we have like a big backyard for my kids to play. And outside of that, I've not like, I've never in my entire life ever bought a brand new car. Every car I've ever, I've got some nice cars. They've always been two or three years old. I always buy used cars. I'm, uh, I'm not saying I'm the most frugal person. You probably probably argue uh, <laughs> that, but I've always lived like 10, 10 years below my means. If you, I was on a plane flight a couple months ago, I was in the back of Southwest Airlines, and one of my reps got on, because we're all going to meetings, so he just connected, I didn't 
him to know. He gets on, he's like, you're flying the back of Southwest? This is crazy. I never, I thought he'd be like, I'm like, I don't, I typically don't fly first class because it stresses me out to pay two, two grand for an airplane ticket when I can pay 300 bucks. Like, that's just how I'm wired. It's like, money doesn't motivate me per se. Like, I'm not like, oh, I make a bunch of money so I can fly first class. Like, that's not my, that's not my gig. But, I'm highly competitive and I want to see what I can do in life and I want to like um, give back to organizations. I want to go do like do big things. So it's more like I want to, I want to see what I'm capable of. I guess I can't put that on too much. Yeah. Alright, so usually this is our last question for an interview. Yeah. Tell me about your uh, near death experience. Did you ask me this? I did. I feel like it's a little bit different. Near death. <laughs> Almost died, and would have died if the. Oh, okay. I'm like, like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, you want me to choke him, and then yeah. tell you about it. Later. <laughs> 3 a.m. We were drinking all night. We. That's how we like near death. Um, uh, near death. So in the, um, if you guys ever read a book called Scaling Up, it's uh, by Bert Harness. It's like the. It's a book that EO was built on, Entrepreneur's Organization. Really good book. If I recommend one book in business three, it would be that book. Scaling Up, I've read it like four times. It's a really, really good book. And um, there's a quote in the book that, that blew me away. It said, more companies die from indigestion than starvation. And uh, so what that means is like, you can actually grow too fast. It's really weird. So I'm a sales guy, I'm like, wait, why? You're, you're growing, you should make money, and, and what happens is people outgrow. So what our near-death experience, the reason we had to pause, we, we went on a year and a half uh, hiring freeze. We grew so fast that I looked at the uh, statements one day of like money we owed, and we were out like, let's call it at the time, uh, $600,000 per shoulder is currently out. So we like medical equipment is being shipped, we had to pay. And each month only coming in was like 150 grand coming in. And I had only sales up to pay. Like, holy shit, like this is not, we outgrew it. We had, we, we were a victim of our own success. We made all these sales. We had to buy equipment coming in, but the money I'm not getting paid for is like seven months out. So that float, does that make sense? My money going out for seven months was like three times higher than my money coming in. And that was like, probably, that was, that was, I mean, we would have, we would have like, died if we didn't get um, really, we, we were able to convince Wells Fargo to go from like 1 million to 2 million on the line of credit and that saved us. I would have, I would have, I would have probably went back to friends and family and been like in debt of friends and family around at that time to save the company. But uh, luckily we squeezed, I'd like almost like a plane's crash and we were able to go like that. And that's what we did. After that, I'm like, I'm not, until I got enough money in the bank uh, for a little bit of like a golden parachute or safety net. I'm not doing that again because that was too stressful. It's like, I'd rather just be that company that has like flat sales but good margins and we revamp things. And so that's my near death. Yep. Sales you should be at to join EO and anything else that these folks might be interested in. I don't know the number. I, 
Zimmy apply for EO? Is it is it one million? So one million in gross service. Yeah, what so there's a bunch of stuff in EO because like first of all it's good to meet with like ten or twelve other business people once a month and know like over over a course of a year they get to know your company really well. You can kinda of talk about your challenges and balance ideas off people that do know your company and you kinda of, you're never supposed to provide advice, like do this. It's more like in my experience, like your line of credit story, for example, I had a similar situation five years ago, here's what we did, and it's like the experience share. So that that's pretty good at for it. I would say outside of EO though, because I don't whether you do EO or not doesn't really matter. I mean I mean probably make, what EO would be cool about it, there's a beginning out of it. I would say if you do have even anything in your industry, for example, if you're in like software, there's a software um, group, even if you form it yourself, like five people, eight people that get together, there's an insane amount of studies that show like you become like the people you're surrounded by, iron sharpens iron, like, and it's not, uh, being, being around other people, maybe not, my, the other guys aren't all good friends, they're, they're friends who do business together, but they're not like, we weren't friends prior, and being around like-minded individuals that kind of share examples, it's huge. I've, I've avoided so many pitfalls because like a, a lawsuit, for example, like I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight this and another video guy's like, just settle it. I, I would highly recommend putting your pride aside and settle it. I'm like, okay, and then that, looking back, I'm like, I'm glad I did that. Like, that was good. You can get a lot of that life coaching experience from, from doing that. So whether it's EO, if you don't have the revenue, um, I, I don't know if it has to be EO, I just think getting around, there's enough, there, I'm actually surprised, Sacramento is a cool culture for startups. Like there's so many people and it's good. So my EO group, give me an example, it doesn't have to be just your industry. There's actually some value in not being in industry. In my group, like we have Uriah Favor, UFC fighter. He has like uh, a gyms and, and other UFC fighters. Like fully different than medical equipment. But the story, the stories are, like we help him with stuff, he helps us, you know. You got Mark Haney, has been part of a lot of different organizations. You have guys in real estate. You have uh, so this whole group of people, and I think just learning and kind of like something something that worked for Greg Connolly for Trifecta. I'm like, I want to I want to try that in my company. Like some stuff he did for culture and stuff. Like I want to implement that in the mind. So yeah. Well, thank you very much.